0: Welcome to Do A Blessing, CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. We give you praise again. We thank you because you are here. Father, I would say let your name be glorified. We ask, Lord, as we go through your word, you will exalt yourself. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As we go to, I know I, I, we would we would we would do a teaching. We are, by God's grace, we'll be teaching. But also, I would try to um, just want us to take go on this journey together. Just want us to go on this journey together. The topic we are looking at is. You, you matter. And we spoke last week about being the light of the world. And that is what we will be looking at again, even more closely. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, from verse 14, He says that you are the light of the world, a town that cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp, uh, light a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the same in, in the house. In that same way, you are the light before others. That all that will see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying that you, we are the light, but He's saying that that light is not for you; it is for you to impact people. The the. The efficacy of or sorry, how how good a light is, is how well people can see through it. And I'm going to try to point out a couple of things. When he said, Let your light shine before men, what does that mean? It means that the responsibility is with me, not with God. God has given me a light. But how that light is impacting people is on me. That's why he said, You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. He said, Neither do people, he said, he said, Neither do people light a lamp. And put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on the on on its um, on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. You could have said, "God, let my light shine." He said, "You, me, let your light shine. Let your light shine." So that means what he's saying is that. My light should impact people, and it is my responsibility to position my light in such a way that impacts people. Then you will see again. Now, Jesus said that we are the lights, but while he was on earth, in, in when we go to, um. Let's just go to um, John chapter 20 from verse 20 to the Bible says that um, the Bible says so basically what Jesus is saying and you you, you um, so let's just uh, is it John chapter 9 I'm so sorry John chapter 9 the Bible says that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, "Why was this? So, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parent's sin?" Verse three says, "It is not because of his sin or his parent's sin." Jesus answered. He said, "This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. He said, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. He said, night is coming, then no one can walk. But while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Basically, what he's saying is this, you can do, you will be able to do a lot of things because I am the light at that point in time. So he's not saying that why did he say while I am in the world? Because he knows a time will come when he will leave. But when he leaves, he's not saying you are not that light. So when I and you are within an environment, people should be able to get things done. I think forget what I'm trying to say. I'm moving gradually with, with this as we you know as we begin to move. Now, the way God sent Jesus, God Jesus said, I have sent you. When you see Luke, i uh, saw sorry, John chapter 20. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures before I just settle on. He said, after these uh, things, he showed them his hands and his side and his disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then what did he do? The Bible says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? He's saying, the thing that God gave me, I am not transferring it to you. So when you have the Holy Spirit, When you have the Holy Spirit, he's saying that as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. So immediately he told them, it it wasn't quite interesting. The disciples were excited that Jesus is here. And Jesus said, okay, I know you're happy, but this is what is about to happen. As the Father has sent me, I am also going to send you. So don't be excited that you have me around physically. Because you now are not going to be that light. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Now the question is, how do I be that light? You know, if you were, I think there was a recording about it by the Bible study yesterday. See, it is, you know, funny enough, it was so funny how the Bible study went yesterday, or the Bible meeting went yesterday, because it's something that has been in my heart for all through the week, which I feel that God has been pouring in my heart. So, you know, at times when God is preparing, shouting me anyway for something, you begin to see that things are along the line begin to add to that, um, to that particular thing. So, how do I want to, if I have this thing inside of me, how do I, what is the process? Because one of the things that I feared so much in becoming a, uh, you know, not becoming a pastor, but teaching people and leading people, I, I was very worried. I don't want to give some people false hope. Do you know, I want to, I'm always careful because I believe life, people's life, Destiny, eternal destiny, matters, and you cannot just. We cannot just hype ourselves up, and you know it's it, it, it's wrong. So there are certain things that people at times feel that I don't really get involved because, because what what I am trying to look for, you know, even if it takes you 50 years to build. I want to be sure that, you know, this is it. And not just, um, and, and that is why, at times, you know, people may struggle. There's a time when somebody, and please, I am not against it. If only people will understand how I think. They were, we were having, they wanted to do, um, revival, one kind of revival day so, so they were now saying that um, they will put the clapping session revival before no, after the sermon. Reason being that when people finish clapping, people go home. So they leave the sermon, they leave the prayer, once they clap, they go home. So, in order to, they were trying to arrange the service. So, in order to keep people, they now put the clapping after the sermon. So, I now asked them a question one day. I said, What is the essence of clapping? I said, Why are you doing that here? Ah, you are trying to go against. I said, I'm not trying to go against that here. I'm just, I want you to think so that you can. See, at times, I now said to them, I said, I said, this is what I'm saying. When we read it, from what we gather, when Mosulimolade would gather people that are clapping, somebody was, no, not by somebody, a dead person, will be brought into their midst. In the days of Mosulimolade. So then what is the point of clapping now? Somebody has a dick. By the time they finish clapping, they don't have anything, they have stomach, the stomach is there. what is the point? Why not just pack it and go somewhere else and do better things with your time? time? But people saw it as being, no, I am not against it, but I am saying let us find out what makes this thing work. And not just excite ourselves. I told somebody one thing some, <laughs> um, some some time ago and I said I said I said that person I said if if this things is not I said may I have no problem I said we'll close the church t- today and I'll go to another church and see that my business I said my life is very simple the person what I said yes I said because see <sighs> I just want to be sure I know But how do we get to that part? See, it is better you are... Okay, let's put it this way. It is better you dig a well. Sorry for those who are born in this country. You may not... In Nigeria, we used to dig to get water out of. um, um, Uh, Have you seen a well before? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, because some people have not seen seen a well before, but you know, but you know, it, it is it is better to spend years digging a well, knowing that one day you will get water, than to spend hundred years digging a well where you know the water. So the issue is not digging. The issue is that you know that you are you are, you are arriving at something. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So God help us in Jesus. So I was—I tell somebody that. So somebody was asking me another question around area. So somebody said that. Uh, so I answered that person. I said, "I said we should be doing better than what most of you did And that person said, "Ah, you, you. This is the problem people have with you. You are too. You just. You dream too big. You are just." I said, "What is the point of what we are doing?" I said to you now you are thinking that Muslim Imalade is because you are saying that we cannot do as well as Muslim Imolade did, then Muswolade is 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 a big person. But what you are saying that Musa Imalade is a failure, if we cannot we do more than, more than what you have done. Said so in the Yoruba when they say that with oh, the prayer parents pray for their children that you will do more than I have done. Even Jesus said that you should do more than he has done. And, and the depends said, so the enemies are not going to do anything. They said, no. We are going to keep doing what we are doing. But let us have a mindset of achieving better than has been done. You know, and and once you have that focus, there are certain things you know you know you engaging because it's of time. There's that is just saying, you know, people say, Why not engaging in everything? No, because it's not everything that I'm here to do. I know where I'm going, and that's where I'm going. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to pour out my mind to you so that we, we we can start off from you know, somebody somebody told me one, somebody said, I wanted to go to the branch in America wanted to do something, and I said, "Okay, I will try to go." And person said, "So the person said that, ah, well, you know, you don't need to." Um, I wasn't. I said, "I said I would use my money and go to the branch in America." Things and the person said, "Ah, yeah, you don't need to. Get, um, the church doesn't need to fund your trip anyway because your father is the of the church, so you are doing." You know, I said, "What?" Honestly, that day I was so annoyed. Because if you think that I'll say this to my dad couple of if you think that I'm leading this church because I am the child of tell you are you are you are you 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 are so wrong you are so wrong. I'm not saying that people don't do it, I'm just saying why because see see if I was here only because daddy said uh be pastor here. The day a witch walks into the place, you have to call your daddy first. That's what happened. Because you cannot turn to God and say, sorry. You cannot turn to God and say, God, you called me. God said, No, your daddy called you. <laughs> you don't even, your daddy that called you. So that, that that's that's what's gonna happen. Because you didn't, you didn't it was your daddy that called you. So and see, that is that is the way I think. So I need to be sure that this is what God has called me to do. No, this is what my daddy has called me to do. I'm not please. I don't get me wrong, I, I know that there are people who do who go into ministries because of family and things like that. It's okay. But for me, I really want to be sure that if something happens, I can turn to God and say, God. You called me. Or else, your faith, would only be hanging on the apron of somebody else. Now, as I go on with this, I'm trying to bring us to a point of understanding as we pray. Is that, although Jesus had, and Jesus was living a life as an example to us. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, sorry. It's the, the Bible says that when Jesus, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the, um, of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their hometown in Nazareth, and the child, this is Jesus, grew and became strong, and was filled with, with with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Let's go to Luke chapter 52. Sorry, uh, chapter 2 verse fifty-two. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And in favor with God and with man. So, that means he grew. That means that as Jesus was growing, he was growing in the grace of God. So that means that although I am the light of the world, I have a growing period till I become at that level to be able to do 100% what God has called me to do. Does that make sense to us? And that is why the Bible says this is the job of the church, Ephesians chapter 4. It says, the same one who descended is the same one who ascended higher, this is Jesus, than all heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. He said, now these are the gifts of Christ he gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, their responsibility is to equip people to do his work, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Let's read them, please. This will continue until we come to such unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, that we would be mature in the Lord, measuring up in full and complete standard of Christ. And we will no longer be immature children. Now, please note that what what I'm trying to say here is this. So, the work of the church is to keep building you up until you become the full stature of Christ. Now, people will talk about when the Bible talks about unity, unity is not just we are all friends. Unity, as far as Scripture is concerned, is deeper than that you must be united in the knowledge of who Christ is. So you cannot be, you cannot say that you are united and everybody has different version of who they think God is. He said, we have to be united in faith and in knowledge. I tell people that you can be united to do evil. It's not only, you see, Tower of Babel, they were united. So when we say in Shoppo, let us have you can be united against God in a church. So it is not unity. The Bible never preaches unity as unity to say that ah, we are friends. That is not biblical unity. The Bible unity is that you are united in faith and in the knowledge of who Jesus is. So, if we are united and the only thing we do is you go to this person's house to go and hit, that person goes to that person's house to go and hit, and uh, person, this person is doing a um, uh, naming ceremony, everybody, we all wear the same um, 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 uh, garment and things like that. All we are doing, I don't do, and everybody is putting on the same uniform because we contribute five pounds, and everybody is now saying, uh, we are saying ah! <laughs> you you can be united over what is as far as God is concerned is irrelevant. I must say that those things are not good, but that is not the foundation of unity. We can be wearing different clothes and be united in the knowledge of who Christ is. We don't have to wear the same thing to be united. Those things are, okay, let's put this way, if you're wearing the same thing, it should be an out, it should be a symptom of maybe, okay, we want to do this together. But that is not the call. Of unity. So, when somebody now wants to buy gelin, and that person who says, I don't have money for God, ah, you know, this you need to <laughs> You don't go, go no. like the says, united in faiths and in knowledge. So, if we are still having people who are still not understanding certain things in God, and so people are still having a little bit knowledge we are still not united if you understand if we look at this division now you can see how many unity actually exists within people who say that you are united but that's not where where I'm going to he says he says that he says that he says till we he said this will continue until we, that we would, so united in knowledge. Now, please note that our knowledge is what increases your stature in God. The more of God you know, the more of Jesus you know about, that is when you can increase ourselves in the maturity of who Jesus is. The Bible says that then we will no longer be immature children and we will not be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. If you understand why the body of Christ is swinging this place, ah, have you had that new teaching? Oh, that that teaching is powerful. Another week, it is another thing. Why? Because there is no majority within the body of Christ. If you go on, please, the Bible says it, says, it says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that sounds like truth. The reason why we have so many people is because that. The church has stopped developing people in the knowledge of who Jesus is. We can teach people how to be rich, how to do this, how to do that, but not how to grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Once people can grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, they cannot be pushed one way or the other. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we go, what I'm trying to pull out, where we are trying to go is that, point out is that the the power of God, the grace of God is inside you. But it takes a period of growth. However, that growth is not in, in reading seven Psalms. It is in knowing who Jesus is. The more you know about who Jesus is, the more you grow. The more you grow. Now, at times you have so much, you have God's grace in your life, but at times it may look like it is not there. Now, you would see, let's go to Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry, let's... Luke chapter 10, the Bible says that it says... Now, the Bible says, And when the 72 disciples returned, they were joyful and and reported to him, Lord, even demons, uh, even demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning. Now, please look at verse nineteen. He said, "Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you." Please, why did he use the word "look"? He was calling. He was calling their attention. That there is something inside of you that you are not aware of. Did you have something inside of you that it may seem like that thing is not there? That's why Jesus said, Look, it is inside you. I have given you authority over snakes and scorpions. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul was trying to talk to explain this to Timothy. And if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, sorry, just down here, the Bible says, "I I remember your genuine faith. So he's saying that Timothy, you are a strong Christian. Your faith is genuine. That means that you are not, you are not, he said and for you share the faith, the faith that was first filled, that's filled your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice. And I know that that faith continues strong in you. That is why I am reminding you to fan up into flames, the spiritual gift that God gave that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. What was he saying is that see, you can be a Christian and still not know that you have something inside of you. So he said, You are a genuine Christian. But the problem is that I, I want to remind you, I want to remind you that. There is something that God has placed inside of you that is in there. But please note what he said. He said, I remind you to fan to flame. So, basically, what he's saying is that it is your responsibility to, to, be, to start to build yourself up to the point where that which God has placed inside of you becomes a reality. Becomes a reality. Let's go to the next one. He says, "Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. So, what was making Timothy not step out? Paul is saying fear and timidity, or being timid." But the power of love and self-discipline. So, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and do not be ashamed of me, either, even though I am in prison. What does this mean? You are Timothy is going to go and pray it for people. Say in the name of Jesus. See, we shared most of all these things. We are just, I just want to come up to the place of prayer. But Timothy is praying for somebody. God can set you free. Do you know what they will say? They will say that, excuse me, your organ is in prison. You can see the paradox in it. Right? Paul is in prison. And Paul is saying, Timothy, that power is inside of you. Don't think that because I am in prison, you don't have the boldness to speak. We shared this yesterday when we we're talking about the fact that you know you can you can be praying for somebody, and yet you are struggling with that same thing that you are praying for. So Paul was saying, Don't allow that to shut you up. That power. Is still inside of you. He said, Never be ashamed to tell others. Why would you be ashamed? Because people will say, ah, What are you talking about? Paul is in prison. And you are here shouting that God saves. Let down God. Go and save Paul first. Then you come and talk to us. So Paul was saying that no. He said, That spirit is inside of you. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated. One thing I'm just trying to point out is this. In our journey, as we grow as Christians, please have a passion in your hearts to make sure that your Christian life changes other people's lives. Changes other people's life. Please let read on my slides a bit. Now, we've talked about this. But how does God's grace grow in you? The Bible says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge. Of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. By his divine power, he has given us everything we need for living a godly a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him. What am I, what, what is this trying to say to us? Is this your grace and the power? See, okay, let me put it this way. At times, somebody wants to grow in. and this, this is the problem. I, I you know I am also learning, but it's a problem that I see. Somebody wants to grow in, in um, let's say, he wants to grow in praying and knowing how to give and saying adara um, all these kind of things. And they want to learn about how to grow in, 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 in Abarashi Adura by learning about Adura. That's The Bible says that's not the way. The Bible says you grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is. But at times we have all this kind of section of teachings that seem to stand alone but we are not growing in the knowledge of who Jesus is. We are growing in the knowledge of how to do something. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, so maybe, 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 maybe I want to grow in 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 healing ministry. And I want to study healing ministry rather than studying Jesus more, because the more I know, it sounds weird. But you, you, I want to grow in how to. Get my singing ministry to the point where I can touch lives. The Bible says, as you grow in your knowledge of who God is and Jesus. But at times, that is not what we teach. We teach it as if it is a standalone. Um, you want to grow in prayer ministry. Let us teach you seven steps to become a prayer warrior. Uh, you want to grow in, let us teach you 50 steps to become that. Rather than teach, that is why, and please, you know, I am, I'm happy to be corrected. That's why you never see anywhere in the Bible the apostles teaching most of all what we are teaching today. He only taught one thing Jesus. But now there are so many sophisticated teachings that are going on around. And I, I know that I know that at times it feels like okay. I, I know that at times it feels like it feels like is that is that it how can you say that somebody would grow in in how to stand in the spirits by just learning about Jesus? Yes, they would because as their knowledge in Jesus grows so will that lifestyle grow are you saying that the way a man can become a good husband is learning about Jesus yes Ah, but what does it say about seven steps to control your emotions if you learn about Jesus it seems like it is two different things but it's just one thing. That's why Paul said, some people want me to teach you about the wisdom. Some people want to teach you about science. But we are here to teach Jesus. I'll give you an example. Which was quite interesting. We were doing service, was it a couple of Sundays ago? And God said, I have been, he said, he said you may not have tied this service, healing service, but I was carrying out healing within those services. Why did we know how to tag that service healing service? Because as you teach Jesus, every other thing begins to follow. That is the thing that I am learning more and more. I am not there, I'm learning more and more. That see, I will say to somebody, I said, I am I am worried that my sermon would be only one thing. Because I know that people want to hear different things. But actually, the more I'm getting to know more about the Bible, I'm seeing that ah, Paul did not teach this. Paul just taught Jesus. In fact, when you talk about, uh, when the Bible talks about husband and wife, when the Bible talks about marriage, you discover that when Paul was code to end it, Paul was not even talking about marriage, he was talking about the relationship between Jesus and the church. It's not said, the more you understand the relation between Jesus and the church, you understand marriage. So we said, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. A man that doesn't understand how Christ loved the church cannot know how to love his wife. It's as simple as that. So we don't have to now, I don't have to do a separate teaching on husband, how to love your wife as if God help us. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm getting to that point. Where I'm, you know, when I'm thinking it, but the more I see but the more I get worried that, you are going to people are going to say, you know, this one doesn't teach anything. But, <laughs> but because the more I'm seeing the things that the apostles are teaching, even when you talk about um, interpretation and things like that, you see that when you read the apostles' letter, it is just a side. A conversation that just something happened, and it's okay. You and uh, when somebody's preaching, when somebody's um interpreting, you sit down, all of you judge it, and they moved on. It was not a, a session of God help us in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So the Bible says, as you grow in your knowledge of God and the Lord, then the divine by his divine, his divine power has given us everything we need. But the problem is that how we can tap into all that we need is as we grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's read on please. Let's read. Now what I'm trying to point out here is this. I said it some time ago please have a passion of what you want to see God do in your environment or even through you. Daniel that we hear about today, nobody will have heard about Daniel if Daniel did not decide to say that, see my people are suffering, I need to go and read the book of Jeremiah. To see what is the answer to this issue, then the Bible says that in the first day of of, of Darius, um son of Azoros, uh, the king of um, Med by descendants, or whatever he it it said. The Bible says on that said who was made a ruler over Babylon, the king in the first year of his reign. I Daniel understood from the scripture, so there was a problem. He now went to the scriptures to find an answer to it. So he said, "He said, I according to the word of the Lord, given to me, um, and word of the Lord given given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of, of Jerusalem would last seventy years." Let's read it, please. He said, "So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting." So basically. After he found what God was talking about in the scriptures, he did not say, "I claim it." Mm-hmm. He sat down and began to find out more about it. there is and and I, and I hope that we would we would get to a point in our life in our, in our journey with God when we begin to have a panting to see God move in our generation. There is a man called um, Corey. I've forgotten his first name now. That man is one of those now. You know, I I like the way he does his healing ministry. Corey Blake, I think Corey Blake or something like that. What happened was that he was a Christian. He believed in the healings of God. And he was following some teachers, pastors who were doing, who were more into healing ministry and things like that. So, his his, his, his daughter had a particular illness. I think it was like a brain tumor or something. and. They began to pray for the child. They prayed and prayed and prayed. The tumor was going smaller and smaller. But something happened at the time. It just went out of hand. And the child was almost, well, the child was about to die. So he called all the big pastors that he he, is a partner with. Or the ones I serve a partner with, I said, please, I need a prayer. I need God to save my my my, my daughter. They were asking me. At times, you call someone, say, what is your um, what's your membership number? What's your gift number? He said, ah, my child is dying. He said, yes, but we need to know your kid um, because there are levels of have um, gold level, um, silver, all this kind of stuff. So, because of emergency, what well, will determine how you go quickly to the pastor with the emergency is going to be the level of um, giving or whatever the case may be. He said he was. He said he cannot name names. So he said there were so many big ministers of God that he was calling, and the child died. So that, so he knew that his child was going to meet Christ, but he felt that it shouldn't have been that way. Then he said the day they were burying his child, he said he told God that never again would this happen to any other family that I know. Then he spent years sitting with the Bible finding answers. When I mean years, I'm talking about not one, I'm talking about five, seven years. It began to, uh, there is a man called, is dead long, long, long time ago now, um, John Gillick. It began to look for answers. But today, cut long, story short, Blake has, one of one of the largest I, I believe healing whatever it is, a healing ministry but the way they do it is different. They do it in such a way whereby you know they train people. They say, you know, this is what the Bible says, you too can do it. You have problems. But it's I just what they is they're building people's faith Basically, he said that because he made sure that, he said, he said for so many years, and when, when he began to pray for people, he said, he said I kept my phone on all time in my house. And even if you call me in the middle of the night, I will make sure I pray, I, I, I pick it up. Why? He said, he said, because I will never see another person go through that pain. So what he does is that he tries to raise Christians encourage them in God I say you two can pray for somebody else you two can pray for somebody else that is how he began to grow what led him he could have said God you have failed me and that is it but he took it and said I know God is real I know Jesus has answers I am not yet there but I will keep growing Until the day comes where no child will go to their grave before their time. But the challenge, and this is what we came to yesterday, is that how many Christians are ready to lay their life down for a cause? No matter how bad, and it is bad, since I in Nigeria, I have discovered that all those who led Nigeria are people who have been committed to the cause of Nigeria since their <laughs> young age. Buari, sorry, Buari, when you see their picture, I don't know if you have seen that picture before when they were very young, when they used to gather together in military barracks and things and things like that. Those guys were they didn't just come from nowhere. But they had, whether good or bad they had set their mind on something. As a Christian, what is your agenda in life? I'm not talking about to make money. To actually see things change. It may not end in your lifetime, but at least you will start something that somebody else will take after you. Salvation Army that we see today um, is it, uh, British, is it, uh, yeah, it's Salvation Army, isn't it. Uh, things like that. Sadly, we have turned into people parading in Josh, But it's not, it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that man saw a problem in his community and made sure that he would, he would make sure. Since when did the, the man that says Salvation Army in Britain died? Many, many years ago. But the work. Is still living to today because he made up his mind. I would not only be a Christian that will put my shame, my light under under the bushel, but how do we get to know that? We do it as we increase in our knowledge of God. I am just come, I just wanted to come to a point where we are ready to say, you know, I am committed to live this life, live a particular life for God for a reason. There is an answer in God. But who would be the person? The Psalm 24 says, God is sitting there. The question is who will go? Everybody wants somebody else to go. So that we can can all eat the the benefits. But God is saying, no, 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 no. no. Let's just read, because of my time, it's far far spent. The Bible says that, it says, do not merely be listeners to the word of God, deceiving yourself. Do what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, it's like someone who looks his face in a mirror and and after looking at himself, he goes away. Please note what he said. He immediately forgets. When that is the kind of people that you know, you see what God is saying in the Bible and you live your life as if nothing ever, you, you didn't hear anything. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let's just quickly go to Luke, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. Yeah, I saw this thing and I was, you know, I was a bit shocked because it was, you know, Jesus, I think the temptation was three. Two of that three temptations started off with this statement. If you are the Son of God, he said. During he said, forty days and for he said for forty days and forty nine, he fasted and he became very hungry. So Jesus was very hungry. The first thing the devil said during during that time, the devil came and said to him, "If you had the Son of God." tell these stones to become loaf of bread. What what does that mean? If you are the son of God, you should not be hungry. If you really have the power of God, that thing that is affecting you should not be. And so he said, if you are the son of God. But Jesus said, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. Basically, bread is what you can see, the word of God is what I cannot see yet. So I may be hungry today, but that does not mean I am not who God says I am. And I wish we understand this as the body of Christ. That we don't see somebody who drives down in a Lexus Jeep, I will say that person is blessed. I'm not saying having a Lexus Jeep is not good, but that is not the measure of blessing. The Bible says that, I'm trying to, say said the the, 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 the uh, blessings of God is make rich and doesn't have soul. So that means you will be rich but the problem is that either sorrow is added or not. So if somebody is rich, it does not make them blessed. So the Bible says it says, it says, it says, if you are the Son of God. And at times, most of us are in situations like this where the devil is saying, the Bible says he was hungry. So this is not this is not um, mystical. He was really hungry. There was there is a need in your life, and then is saying, "Okay, you that you say that you are the son of God. Prove it to me now." And Jesus would say, "You know, no. I would rather wait." What? is the big deal in turning stone to bread. Would you not have proved that he's the son of God? See, your, being a son of God, you should not be intimidated to prove yourself. Or else, you would fall into the trap of the enemy. You know, some people have have proved themselves to the extent that you know. Uh, um, I have a friend, who a lady wanted to, again, it's Nigeria, but a lady wanted to abort a baby. No, they said they abort a baby, and he said to the girl, he said, no, he said. The God that has done this, if you follow him, the girl said, this is what I'm saying, They're a fake prophet. Better prophet knows what to do. And the lady went to a prophet and they let Sam in, in, inside some, a bottle of water and he gave the to drink. Within three days, the baby came out. And lady told me I laid it that. said, You see? You just, you just, you just, you are, you are just deceiving people as if you have power. If you are, if you are in an order to always prove yourself in the walk, walk with God, you will fall into the trap of the There will be days that you would pray for somebody and that blind eyes may not see. But don't be. See, at times what has put some people into occultism doing all these um, things is because they want to prove themselves of who they are. Please be contented in yourself. But do you know what happened? Couple of years later, Jesus turned, multiplied bread, and fed thousands. So it wasn't that he could not do it, but he would not be pushed to prove himself. And there are so many times, you know, especially servants of God, who have pushed you to prove yourself. <laughs> In my own little part, I've seen a lot, a little bit. You it, it doesn't say prophecy. So you have seen people who have now decided to have a conjoining prophecy. When you know there is nothing. Or people will push you and push you and push you and push you. The same people that push you to that place, the same people that will say to them, I is fake. Go and ask Moses. They pushed him, pushed him to the point whereby he struck the, the rock. The rock. <laughs> and when God was going to take him away, what do people think of you is a failure. He promised he would go to the Promised Land. They get there. He sent the people that pushed him. <laughs> see, Jesus knew this thing well. The Bible says that He will not take credit from people because He knows they are just humans. My dad will say that he has a, a friend that is that is a soldier. He said, um, uh, "I'm sorry, the, a top." Ranking soldier, so when he came in, and then when, when he got into an office, I think he fell upon came to an office. The soldier came in and saluted him, his ADC, uh, the, the personal guy that saluted him, and things like that. And as, as the guy saluted him, he said, the Guy, to excuse him, but imam my dad was around, he said, uh, he, just, he just hissed and just, and my dad was like, Why? He said, If a coup happens now, this man is the person that will put a gun to my head? Is it the ADC? Or if he does something wrong, and the government asks them to arrest him, the person that will put handcuffs on him is the ADC. If, to use, you understand, you understand, if you understand how military works, the same person that will say yes sir to you is the one that will match you out. So you better, you better not feel that you have right. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. So, what are we saying? Is this. You know, the Bible, be sure. Don't be pushed, but however make up your mind you want to become an influence for people. But in that journey, please don't rush into what God has not placed before you. God will grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 says to us, it says, um, Romans chapter 8 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our own weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but he himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, what the Bible is saying is this: is that the Holy Spirit helps us in that journey. He understands you're weak, but He would also empower you to become what God says you are. To become what God says you are. Each one of us, First Peter fourteen. Each one, each one of us has the gift of God inside of us. Each one of us has the gift of God inside of us. We have the gift of God. He said, Each one of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewardship. God's grace in his various forms. So that means there is nobody here that doesn't have something in them that can influence another person. God has not created the body of Christ in such a way by all the gifts is in one person. It doesn't happen. But the issue is that find your own space and say today. Ask him, please, just next night. Amen. That's what we. Um, so. I'm just going to read it in a different version. The Bible, this, next one, please. The Bible says that He said, "For if through the transgression of one individual death was made use of the of one individual to seize the sovereignty of all, I said, how, to, to seize the sovereignty. All the more shall those who have received the overflowing grace and gift of righteousness." reign as kings in life through the one to one individual Jesus Christ basically what the Bible is saying here is this, as we just round this one is that the gift of God inside of you the grace of God inside of you is there for you to be able to influence things around you it may take time but it is there But try to live a purpose-driven life. Refuse to be a Christian that will just be a Christian by name. And make up your mind that you want to impact your own generation. And see how God will use you. The problem is that God only has so many Christians who are concerned about themselves. And not any other person. If God can only see what a Christian that is that has made up his mind, that you know I would lead the path in such a way that people would be able to see the light of God through me, you will see how God used them. We have the next. Did you put the, let's just let's, let's, I'm just going to just read this as we close. And I think this summarizes it for us. It says, Set out now. Cross to Aaron. Go. And see. I have given it. I, I have given into your hand. She the, the the Hamorites. And the king of Heshbon. And his country. What do you think that should mean? If God has given it to me, I should just walk in and say, Give it to me. But the Bible says, "Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle." Because God has released something into your hands, does not mean you will not engage in battle to receive it. That is why we are called soldiers of Christ. Do you know what soldiers do? They enforce (coughs) laws. When a policeman goes out, he's not creating law, he's enforcing the law. So, when God says that this is what I have given to you as a soldier or a police, you are just going there and saying this is what the law says. When you, when when you, you know, when a soldier comes into a place, they are not taking it for themselves the government said that this place that is what christians are god says that i have taken i have given this place to you it is now your responsibility to fight to get it but at times we think that because god said it then it's okay no when he said it you believe what he has said, then you now go and possess it. I used to imagine, you know when he said battle, engage him in battle, Do not know people died. But yet, that was the land that God told them to give. Can I imagine that if the first person died and they said, ah, God hasn't given us this land. Even virgins, the space rocket that is launching today. Somebody died. It did not because of that person died. And stopped. Medicine today, all the medications that you see, you know, at times people have side effects. They take that side effects and they go and learn more to see how they can improve it. They will not say that since this has caused side effects, it is no more usable. It is only in Christianity that when something goes wrong, it is a sign that God is not in it. All I'm just, and, and, and I think that is just the charge I have for us today as we come to the place of prayer. is that there is a land that God has given you. We need to engage it in battle. Don't give up. Don't let us give up on it. Make up your mind that God is true. That's why I love the song that we sang at the beginning at the praise and worship session when the song was uh, God us uh, I have I have assurance. Oh Lord, be me. Oh, I have assurance. Oh Lord, be me. The song says, a oh, Lord, disciples said blessed are those who who did not see him with their eyes but yet they believe because he knows that a generation is going to come that they will not see Jesus in the flesh but all they have is the Bible and Jesus said blessed are those who do not see me but yet they believe and we are blessed